0: In recent years we've become very accustomed to images of refugees fleeing from war-torn regions and they do make a deep imprint on our collective consciousness. You only need to think about the image of Aylan Kurdi face down on that beach in Turkey to remember just how how potent those images can be. They've sparked discussion and debate around the world and including a little bit here in Ireland where there are often some calls for debates around whether the amount of immigration that this country takes in is sustainable. This year also marks the 40th anniversary of the arrival of 200 of the so-called Vietnamese boat people in Ireland fleeing from war in their native country. And at a time when the Irish were more accustomed to emigrating than having immigrants here, there were a somewhat curious spectacle. But whatever happened to them? Well, Donald Fallon is here to tell us. Donald, good afternoon. How are you? Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, Migration is a subject, of course, which is really never far from from contemporary discourse. No, it
1: isn't. It isn't. And I mean, the Vietnamese community in Ireland is is a really interesting historical study because while they came here largely against the backdrop of kind of political turmoil at home, uh, it's a community that you know mostly remained uh, in Ireland and which would make its mark on a kind of wide variety of spheres in Irish life, especially culinary and migration in and out of Ireland is is, is pretty well studied. there's an awful lot of emphasis in politics at the moment quite rightly uh, on the direct provision system or whether, yeah. whether it's fit for purpose and a very good exhibition in the in the Little Museum of Dublin looking at some sites associated with that system. Uh, at the minute but Ireland in the 1970s as you say is a country that was more akin to watching people and young people in particular leave Mm. uh, than anyone arriving here I think the joke that was made was that Dublin Airport was the only airport in the world that only had a departures lounge. You know, nobody, nobody seemed to actually come to Ireland uh, mm. in the 1970s. The sick man of Europe. So there was plenty of interest in these people that did. You know, the so-called boat people uh, yeah. of 1979. Now, we, we did,
0: however, have some, some limited but some experience of taking in some refugees before that time.
1: Yeah, we think of, of migration in Ireland historically as going one way. You know, Black 47, the people that were sick in body and dispirited in heart, as one newspaper called us, moving across the continent. Our experience of actually taking in people was was pretty limited and hadn't. Gone all that well. You know, 1957 six we took in Hungarian refugees who were fleeing from Soviet rule. I took in a lot of them, 537. Uh, Hungarians. There was massive political sympathy in Ireland at the time with the Hungarian uprising. Mm. Hundreds of thousands of people were on the streets. There was massive anti-communism and kind of public feeling. And then when these Hungarians arrived here escaping from the Soviets what did we do? We put them in cold army huts outside Limerick and the conditions were so bad that the Hungarians actually went on hunger strike and complained about the absence of work. So that's that's not a great uh, no. record you know, when it comes to providing for those escaping from war-torn regions. And the, the Hungarians said, you know, we want to work but the work is not there. We appreciate what has been done from from the time of the October Rebellion, but we just cannot sit and wait. So that had been a disastrous experiment uh, in housing people from a war-torn region.
0: Yeah, but obviously the, uh, the the motives of people coming here, they're not terribly concerned about the reputation of the places they're going to so much as the reputation of the place that they're leaving. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Vietnamese boat people became an international story, but did they get much coverage here at home?
1: Yeah, there were these extraordinary images in the late 70s of people leaving uh, Vietnam, of course, broadcast into the homes, millions of people all over the world. Mm. And the numbers are staggering. Some 800,000 people left the country from 1975 onwards, um, seeking sanctuary wow. elsewhere and, and they had to go somewhere mm. and probably in Ireland to be honest Vietnam had kind of faded from popular consciousness by the late 1970s the seemingly never ending war like the First World War the Vietnam yeah. War was one of those conflicts that people thought would never end it actually did end and you know the Vietnam War had attracted a lot of public protest in Ireland not on the scale witnessed in other parts of the world but significant enough you know when Nixon came to Ireland there was protest on the street and the idea of a US president being protested in the little 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 old yeah. Aaron was totally unheard of the, at the time, at the time, just extraordinary. Yeah, mm. and yeah. Imagine Trump now will, will get a significant protest if he yes. wants us. U.S. Navy ships were picketed when they came through Ireland. Yankee Black and Tans was the, the placard <laughs> down in Cork. But there are also going kind of stories of Irish heroism on the battlefield. Uh, only last year, the U.S. Navy said they would be naming a ship after Patrick Gallagher, a young mm. Mayo man killed in Vietnam in 1967, who got the, the Navy Cross, the highest honor of the U.S. Navy. So there was Irish interest in the Vietnam War. But by the end of the 1970s, that war was over, and you know it's changing political tensions in the region. In in particular China and the hand of China and Chinese-Vietnamese relations, mm. that's why there's reason to flee and uh, why these people are coming here.
0: And I suppose much like we've seen in, in more recent times with the, the fallout of events in the Middle East and Europe trying to struggle with all of that, at the time, again in the 1970s, the world couldn't quite agree on, on how best or whether it yeah, should help. The, the question of moral obligation was asked
1: and I think it's quite inspiring today that we, our, our Navy, the Samuel Beckett and the like, go out there and help refugees in the Mediterranean when Ireland has made no contribution politically towards the crisis that has those people where they are, we're just feel it's the morally right thing to do and in the late 1970s this question of kind of moral obligation to help uh, was in the air as well and our answer wasn't quite as noble I mean the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees asks the Irish government in 1975 can you resettle three Vietnamese families three three families and we refused to do it on economic grounds. Mm. And as appalling as Ireland may have been economically at the time, I think housing three families was not beyond us and would never be beyond us. No. But the pressure comes from kind of humanitarian groups, NGOs, and often people in the church, you know, progressive people in the church who want to change the kind of dialogue uh, around these people. And when you read the newspapers, it's funny because uh, this is the first time a lot of people are talking about the idea of even refugees. Mark McGuire, who's out in Minute University, he did a lovely book about the Vietnamese. It's called Differently Irish A Cultural History exploring 25 years of Vietnamese-Irish identity and he went digging into the kind of contemporary newspapers to see what what people were saying about these people you know Eamon Casey came out and said the response of the government was a meagre response but other people talked about the calibre of the people that were escaping from the country and a historian of all people said that we're importing a ready-made creative minority and said naturalised their very grandchildren will doubtless continue to vote for Fianna Fáil (laughs) (laughs) So <laughs> all politics is local the political votes of the Vietnamese vote <laughs> yeah. people
0: were up for grabs but I a mean, remarkable dialogue in the newspapers M- must make a point of seeking out that electoral demographic actually now in the forthcoming <laughs> local elections and see how they're all going um, so fast forward then to the summer of 1979 and these people begin to arrive they do and I mean Ireland is experiencing its
1: own political Ireland is actually front page news across the world at this time because of what's happening in, in, in the north of Ireland yeah. but there's actually no awareness of Ireland from the Vietnamese themselves and and their accounts of arriving here are sometimes quite funny You know, one of them later said none of us knew very much about where we were going or even exactly where it was when we arrived at Dublin airport we thought it was only a stopping off point we did not believe that a national airport of a country could be so small <laughs> yeah. There's a lovely piece not too long ago in the Irish Times you know, examining all of these, these people and where they ended up yeah. and Aaron Maguire sits down and, and, and interviews some of them and one of them says look we didn't come here for a better life or for economic reasons
0: because in 1979 Ireland was one of the poorest countries in Europe we came mm. for freedom Um, This might seem like an obvious question but it's one which would certainly be asked if the same thing was happening today. Um, Where did we house them? Where do you put them? I mean the plan was you've got 200 odd people here so originally they put a
1: a special wing of the Blanchard Sound Hospital and they put them in there and they later housed some of them with the the, the Christian brothers and
0: swords. I I love the the notion that there was a a vacant wing of a hospital at the time that we just had (laughs) empty that wasn't already chronically overcrowded. A a
1: lot has changed. Indeed. And So they're basically put in the Blanchard Sound Hospital and the Vietnamese are kind of taught English before they're spread across the island because the real fear is kind of ghettoisation. But I think the point that's rightly been made and even by by some of these people themselves is the outcome was probably social isolation because they took a very close-knit community and spread them right across the island. So it was well-meaning to spread them across the island but inevitably, and not unlike the Irish diaspora in London, New York or anywhere else, pockets of migrants will always refine each other. And the Vietnamese largely settled yeah. uh, in, in, in Dublin.
0: Now, of course, this being the late 1970s, we did already have, as you mentioned, a limited experience of how to, to deal with refugees. And we, we had gotten some ideas from what had been going on in we Northern Ireland. We were getting
1: good at this stuff. I mean, a little bit removed from the experience
0: of the Hungarians, you know, in, in, in the Catholics in Northern
1: Ireland uh, in the late 70s are on the move as well. Mm. And Jim Kennedy of the Irish, the Red Cross, he talked about how they moved three and a half thousand northern refugees into the southern state basically escaping from pogroms yeah. and rehoused housed them at and in, in Mead at the height of the Troubles and he said look there were no language or diet problems of course but it was a far bigger undertaking and I like his description of the, the Vietnamese when he's interviewed in the papers Jim Kennedy he points out there's common ground he says the food won't be a problem these people eat rice pork chicken fish vegetables of all sorts and of course they're great tea drinkers
0: <laughs> so that was the way to, that it was like this will be grand un, un, until we start to talk about the Vietnamese about whether they prefer lions or berries and then all That's of a sudden the, we have a the, total the unifying cultural
1: cultural uh, yeah yeah like the, the real dilemma of, of modern <laughs>
0: Ireland uh, 2019 is lions or berries or, or do you drink the other stuff the PG tips um, now of course there this being 1979 and of course we have this this debate about whether you put them in their own community and mm. risk a ghetto or whether you try to assimilate them and then have them isolated but but there was ultimately massive goodwill there was of goodwill and uh, that's what struck me in digging into the newspaper papers uh, in the newspaper archives You know, everyone from, from
1: GAA clubs the community groups the media and even Blanchardstown was changing it was still a time of kind of more and more suburbanisation yeah. uh, and they just seemed to, have sl- to sl- slot into that society you know the, the Evening Herald has this great line each morning chattering groups of Vietnamese women go down to the local superquin which has sprouted an oriental section you know, they just became a part uh, yeah. an accepted part of life uh, in Blanchardstown and very quickly began to make a, a kind of imprint on, on culinary uh, yeah. you know the culinary side of things with takeaways and the like in the area sure. too so they very quickly became a, a part uh, of of their, of their
0: surroundings I love that the local super Quinn became their little accidental sort of community centre that, that Fergie Quinn <laughs> was even doing that little bit for integration um, what became of them is is it a case that they they then sort of remain in communities of their own or do they become more they're, Irish than the Irish themselves and so just blend in they're, s-
1: they're still here I mean I, I think one of the most interesting streets in Dublin today is probably Parnell Street you know past the Parnell Monument and down yeah. the Croke Park direction uh, which some people refer to it as Chinatown. And I don't really agree with that because it's a lot more diverse than that, you know, in terms of Koreans, Vietnamese, everything is kind of happening uh, on that street. But one of the great restaurants on that street, the Pho Fiat restaurant, it's actually maintained by a family who were among the original okay. 1979 uh, refugees to relocate All to right. Ireland. So this Vietnamese community is, is is unique. Often people fleeing from war would be here for a while and they'll be gone again. Yeah. But these families pretty much remained in Ireland and they still are this kind of close-knit community. I think there's something remarkable about that 40 years on.
0: I, I love the name of the book that you cited there earlier on, that, that book by Mark Maguire, Differently Irish. It's uh, Only it, an anthropologist can come up a name No, like but, but a it's, it's a great little turn of phrase <laughs> and it, it's food for thought who, who, for those who claim that, you know, their sense of Irishness might be threatened by the idea of arrivals from foreign shores. Uh, Donald, fascinating as ever. Thank you so much,